0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome to
4: Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or if you have something going on in your life and you're curious what the Bible says about that or if you have a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to help you Uh, Sort through some of those questions and and see what the the Word of God says about them. We'd love to pray for your prayer requests. So give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us 720-336-0897. Again, the text line 720-336-0897. We want to welcome you Uh, who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Our, Our broadcast range goes all the way from Cheyenne down to Colorado Springs. And so if you're listening here in the local area, we are glad that you tuned in today. And we hope to hear from you. You can call us or text us. But we also want to say hello to all of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And we also want to say hello to everybody listening on Truth FM down in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay, but we would love to hear from you. We'd love for you to call in, and then you get the opportunity to call to tune in again the, the following week and listen to yourself on the radio, and uh, you can tell all your friends to tune in. You can listen to How Strange Your Voice Sounds. It'll be fun. So, uh, also we want to say hello to all of you who are tuning in online. We know there's so many who are listening on our mobile app, so if you don't have that yet, you should go get it. Just go to your mobile app store, whatever one you use for your phone, and you can download the Grace FM app, and then wherever you're at over the internet, you can listen uh, live to the programs, uh, the Bible teaching, and to this show as well, and if you are at a computer or you have one nearby, you can always go to gracefm.com. And you can listen right there in your browser, wherever you're at. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. My name, again, is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I am the host of Calvary Live every Monday, but today is not Monday. Today's Tuesday, and I'm filling in for Pastor Jeff Figs from Calvary Chapel Greeley, who is out today. So I get to do uh, I got to do it yesterday, and I'm I'm pleased to get to take some of your calls and texts on the air today as well. Again, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a uh, non-denominational church in Longmont, Colorado. We are a church that loves Jesus, and we love the Bible, and we love to study the Bible, and so we gather on Sunday mornings in downtown Longmont. We gather at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is the St. Vrain Memorial Building. or just one block west of Main Street on uh, Longs Peak Avenue, right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So just right in downtown Longmont in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. We're, that building is right on the corner of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in Longmont. And we gather to study the Word of God and to worship. So right now, currently, we're studying through... Paul's letter to the Romans, which has just been a very, very rich study. We're uh, not even halfway through it yet. We're in chapter six. We just finished the first half of chapter six this past Sunday in which Paul asked the question kind of like he's laid this foundation that we are not saved by our works, but we are saved by the grace of God. And so the The question that often comes up when he, when you start talking about the grace of God is some people get nervous because they say, "Hey, start saying that our status before God is based not on what we do but on what Jesus did for us well then you're opening the door to all kinds of you know people taking advantage of that so rather than people seeing uh, seeing that and being relieved, people will see that and they'll be intrigued and they'll want to go out and you know become Christians gone wild and go out and sin a whole bunch and Paul says, Well, first of all." that would be wrong to do. But then he tells us how actually grace doesn't cause us to live licentious lives, but he explains to us how a person who's truly come to know and truly come to experience the grace of God, uh, it actually causes them to live a more godly life. And one of the scriptures I love on this topic, it comes from Titus chapter 2. And it's it's actually kind of, you know, goes right in the face of that idea that grace leads to licentiousness. Here's what it says, Titus chapter 2 Starting in verse 11, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people and training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age as we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. I find that really interesting. He says the grace of God has appeared, it has brought salvation for all people, and it has trained us. Uh, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. What has trained us to do that? The grace of God. And I think that when we really get a view of the grace of God, that is exactly what will happen. It will cause us to respond with thankfulness and gratefulness in our hearts and renounce godliness and worldly passions. So um, I'm excited about studying Romans this coming Sunday at Whitefields. We're going to be studying the second half where he talks about how um, we'll either be slaves to righteousness or slaves or sorry slaves to unrighteousness or slaves to righteousness really be either be slaves to sin or slaves to god and i just love this picture and get to talk about this idea of what it means to be a bond slave a slave by choice as paul the apostle calls himself just very exciting so if you are in the longmont area or any any of the surrounding towns if you're in driving distance of longmont colorado we'd love to have you come visit with us check out our website whitefieldschurch.com that's whitefieldschurch.com and you can find directions you can listen to past Messages, all that good stuff. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and just uh, God's doing some great things in our church here. We brought on a new staff member recently, and uh, things are just going really great. Um, also, you can hear us. Uh, life in the field is our daily radio show that airs at 2:30 p.m. Uh, every weekday, and then Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So, life in the field, you can tune in here on Grace FM and listen to some of our messages there. Let's go to our call-in line. Let's, let's go to Nick in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the program.
5: What's up, brother? How are you doing? Doing great. Great, man. Uh, I just had a couple questions for you. Personally, as a pastor, um, how important... I have, like, a couple questions. This is the first of many. Uh, How important is theology to you and to your congregation, to doctrine and diving Um, into theology? How important is that to you personally and your congregation?
4: Yeah, okay. So first of all, I think that theology is important to everybody, and I think that uh, theo- everybody has theology, and, every- and theology is important to all of our lives. And so I don't think that, you know, sometimes you get these Christians who say, hey, I'm just into, I just love God and stuff, and I'm not into theology. Well, actually, they are into theology, even just the idea of what they're saying is a theological statement. So, in my yeah. opinion, theology is all of life, and everybody is a theologian. The question is, are they a good theologian or are they a bad theologian? So,
5: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, may I ask where you stand on Calvinism and Arminianism?
4: Yeah. So, you know, I, first of all, I I have to say that I think in general, these kinds of discussions, um, you know, this is kind of like, we want to label somebody. So we want to know what their label is so that we can put them in a category. Because once we put them in a category, we've determined a lot of things about them just by putting them in that category. Uh, So in general, I'd like to say that I avoid these kinds of labels and what I like to do in these cases is say hey let's drop the labels and let's actually ask about the issues that what like what is it that you specifically want to know but I will answer so your question d- yeah, just to so, be fair so, to you yeah. and that is that I so, think that Arminianism is a flawed uh, flawed theological system so I'll tell you that yeah. much but uh, okay. I I hesitate to fully embrace a label like Calvinism because there's a lot of baggage that goes with it. And like I said, once somebody gets labeled with something, the whole purpose of giving them that label is so that you can kind of, you know, categorize them, put them in this bucket, and then kind of write them off. So that's, uh, yeah,
5: and, and I think, it, I think honestly, at some level, um, even church historians thought putting, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, I don't think it's necessarily right or wrong to be put in that label of, you know, being Calvinist or Arminianist, but even Church historians believe that as a Church, um, you know, we had creeds so that we knew what we believed in, and that was uh, crucial to the, the, the growing Church. Well, I don't, don't disagree that, with don't you at was, all at that point. In yeah. fact,
4: I would just say that... Um absolutely and that's exactly why I say hey if you want to talk about an issue let's talk about the issue itself but uh, I will tell you this much that I do think that Arminianism as a reaction to Calvinism I think that it went too far and that I I don't uh, I don't agree with it I find it to be not biblical
5: yeah so so would you stand on the doctrines of grace
4: Well, see again you you have to define what you're saying so you're using uh, Calvinistic terminology and do I believe in the doctrines okay. of grace? Of course I believe in the doctrines of grace. I believe in the okay. Bible.
5: Yes. Yeah. So you believe that God is completely sovereign over salvation? Yes. Um, do you believe that Jesus came to die for a particular people?
4: Yeah, so that's that's really the big question, isn't it? So we've got uh, the tulip, right? The five points of yeah. Calvinism. Just for our listeners' sake, I'll yeah. just kind of share what those are. And uh, so the total depravity. Is a T total depravity, and then uh, the U, right? Uh, unconditional grace. Election. Oh, unconditional yep. election. Sorry, I yep. is uh, yep. irresistible grace. L is limited atonement, and P is the perseverance of the saints. So, you, I, I you agree with. Tulip
5: wrong. You put the I for the L, but that's okay. <laughs> all
4: right, yeah, doing it off the top of my Don't head. Bro- so, um, no, yeah. Good. So here's here's what I'm gonna say on that. the The only one that I think is the biggest issue is the limited atonement. I think the rest of those kind of come down to definitions and splitting hairs. And I think that uh, most people who have an issue with them would probably not have an issue with them as much if they were defined properly. So, for example, the idea of total depravity, some people's problem with that idea is that they say, well, you know, not all people are um, completely bad, right? Like even people who are not Christians are capable of doing good things. And so, they would say sure. so. Therefore, we must reject the doctrine of total depravity. Well, yeah. that's because they they misunderstand the doc the the statement of what total depravity means. What it means is that even when we do good things, uh, apart from Christ, we do them for the wrong motivation. We do them for self-justifying and self-glorifying motives. Furthermore, uh, when it comes to limited atonement, I I think that that is really the big question, and I do think it needs to be defined i think that's one where a uh, calvinistic system runs into a problem with the bible and um, and so here's how i would i would agree with it if it's defined in this way that it is sufficient for all but effective for the elect. Now, I would not agree with it for it, in another way in which it would say that it's not sufficient for all. And here's why: is because I I read um, you know First John where it says that he's the propitiation for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of all the world. Now, someone who's a a hardliner would say, well, when it says the word world, it doesn't actually mean world. Um, it, actually just means the world of the elect. And in that case, I think that that is a form of what we call eisegesis, which I'll just explain for our listeners who might be not be familiar with that idea. Eisegesis is when I have a preconceived idea and where the scriptures disagree with my idea or seem to disagree, I impose my idea upon the scriptures rather than what we call exegesis, which is where we let the scriptures define our theology. So I hope that answers your question. I will tell you... Um, one more thing is that I, I do tend to find that, um, that people who. Um, so that uh, sometimes when people get really into what, what are called the doctrines of grace, which again, I'm not opposed to, but I, I just do notice this, that sometimes when people discover the doctrines of grace, so to say, uh, what, what happens is that they become evangelists to convert other Christians to their understanding of Calvinism or the doctrines of grace. And so that's my only critique. I, uh, I I absolutely do believe in the sovereignty of God over salvation. And I, I I do believe in everything that the Bible says on that topic. So Nick, thank you for your question and God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. One one of the most
5: important things, just if if you claim to believe in in something called the doctrines of grace and are not showing that same grace to others who are a, a complete hypocrite. So my advice to anybody who, who claims to be Calvinistic and claims to believe in these, in these doctrines is showing the grace of God to those who may not believe in the exact same theological system. So yes,
4: thank you so Hey, much. I, I actually really like that last thing you said, Nick, so thank you for that last point. I think that we should absolutely show grace to people uh, who disagree with our theological system. So God bless you. All right. Bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000, and you can also text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Christopher in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi Christopher.
3: Hello, Pastor. Um. Thank you for taking my call. I'm just asking for a simple prayer request. Um, I, had a, I made a decision a, a year ago to decide to live in sin, to live unmarried with somebody, got a place and all that. And this decision has, I don't want to say backslidden me, but taken me away from where I was at in my walk, serving the Lord. Hmm. It just exploded in my face in the last two weeks, and it's literally, I was given an ultimatum this morning, and I lifted it up to the Lord, and I firmly believe He spoke to me and told me to just give up and walk away. And I did that, and it just got significantly worse. It just kind of feels like my heart's been ripped out of my chest. I know it's the right thing, but it just feels like it's been ripped out of my chest. And I was wonder if I could, if you pray for me for how you feel that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind if I ask a, a few quick questions? I won't go. I won't go into too many details. Sure, no, no problem, Bubba. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm just curious. So, are is it the situation that this relationship that you were in has now fallen apart? Yes. Okay.
3: Completely fallen apart.
4: Yeah. Okay. So I guess that was really all I wanted to know. You know, and I don't. I don't know the details of it, and I'm sure there's some pain involved in this. But uh, I would just think...
3: our friendship has been ten year, a ten year friendship slash relationship, and um, me and this girl had a child out of wedlock three and a half years ago, and mm-hmm. it separated us for a while. and We wound up getting back together when she had another one by somebody else who decided he was going to leave too, like I did. Mm-hmm. And now I've been taking care of her and the baby, not not for redemption, but. Because I deeply and strongly care for her. And it's just, it's literally ripping me apart. And I know that it's what the Lord wants because I heard him clearly, more clearly this morning than I've heard since I became a believer. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I know he's with me. I know he'll never leave me or forsake me, but I just need strength and endurance to go through this because, like I said, brother, it feels like my hearts being ripped completely out of my chest
4: yeah you know I just want to encourage you that sometimes God brings us to these points in our lives in order to get our attention he did this with the people of Israel and I know that he does it with us so uh, I'm gonna pray for you Heavenly Father thank you for Christopher calling in today and and seeking prayer seeking uh, you in this time Lord I pray that during this time Christopher would uh, would move towards where you want him to be Lord I, I do believe that what's happening in his life, at least in part, is happening because you want to get his attention. You want to bring him back to yourself. I thank you, Lord, that he does know uh, you in some way, that he has walked with you in the past. And I pray that, Lord, as he returns to that way of following Jesus and seeking you, Lord, um, I pray that he would have the experience of the prodigal son, of having the father embrace him and run towards him and and not receive him back as a lesser-than or a second-class citizen, but as a son. And I I pray that he would experience that. And Lord, I pray that as he experiences that grace, Lord, that his response would be to give his life fully over to you and as he does that Lord that you would give him the strength that he needs to do whatever is placed in front of him whether it's caring for uh, this woman and their child or whether it's just taking care of the child whether it's something beyond that Lord I pray that you would give him the strength to do what you're calling him to do I do believe this Lord that you do empower us by your spirit to do what you have called us to do so Lord I pray that you would do that in Christopher's life give him the strength to go on I pray in Jesus name amen Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thank you for calling in. God bless you. Mm-hmm. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720 720-336- 336 0897 let's go to jessica in new jersey hi jessica welcome to the program
6: hi how are you doing well good so my question was um i was thinking about esau yesterday okay. and how scripture says like he sought repentance even with tears and he couldn't find it and i know that was due to the hardening of his heart mm-hmm but then in the New Testament, you know, it says, like, if you ask forgiveness, that God is faithful and just to, uh, you know, forgive us of our sins. And there have been times in my life where I've definitely known that my heart was hard, and I would ask God to soften my heart. So I kind of want to—I'm under- trying—I don't understand how Esau could have been in the situation that he could have been in, when Scripture also talks about God, like, you know, being slow to anger and— uh, you know things like things like that. So, and I mean, I'm not trying to like figure out God or anything. I just kind of want to understand like what he's saying, like what he's
0: saying. Yeah.
4: So, I so here's what's interesting about that verse that you're quoting. So, what your the verse you're quoting is actually found in the New Testament. It's found in Hebrews chapter twelve. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter yeah, Hebrews chapter twelve. And here's what it says. Um, so, I'll give you a couple different translations, and it's it's pretty interesting. So, here's. Here's one translation. It says, uh, it's Hebrews 12, verse 17, uh, in the ESV. For you know that afterward, when he, that's Esau, desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Um, So I think there's a really quick answer to your question, and then there's maybe a deeper answer. The really quick answer to your question is this, that when it's talking about repenting there, it's not talking about repentance in general, like repentance under salvation, but it's speaking of the fact that Esau realized what he had done, that he had, um, that he had given up the blessing of God for a bowl of soup and that that was foolish and that he had really blown it. You know, he had despised what God had given him and he had been, you know, exceedingly unspiritual and unappreciative of what God had given him. Um, and so, the repentance that spoke about there is him repenting of that action. It's kind of like one of these things where you do something or you say something and you wish that you could take it back. But once it's done, sometimes there's not always a chance to take it back. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think about um, previous caller talking about how, you know, he got into a relationship that he shouldn't have been in and then he had a child. And there can be these things where you say, God, I'm sorry that I did this. And, um, but there's no, you can 't undo what 's been done in the sense of you know you've you've you 've had a child and now you have to live with those consequences that doesn't mean that God won 't ever accept you and uh, accept your repentance in the sense of repenting and turning to him in your heart, but it does mean that those those consequences aren't going to just be undone mm-hmm. so that 's the quick and easy answer now the other answer is um is there ever a case in which repentance is not no longer an option for someone? right? Like can you go to the point where you resist God so much that that, you, that re- repentance is no longer an option for you? And I, I think the answer to that is yes. You know we see an example of that, like this phrase is used in Genesis chapter six, where God looks on the evil and wickedness of the earth, and he says, "My spirit will not always strive with the spirit of man." which means that uh, there will come a time when God's Spirit, you know, His Spirit, Jesus told us in uh, John 14 and John 16 about how the Spirit of God is drawing us to God, reminding us of the words of God, the words of Jesus, and drawing us to God by convicting us of sin, uh, righteousness, and judgment. Why? So that we'll repent and we'll receive the salvation that's offered to us in Jesus. Um, But if you resist that, I actually believe that that is what is meant by the uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. This is when mm-hmm. you sin against the Holy Spirit and you go to the point where you harden your heart so many times or for so long that at some point, uh, there's no longer an option for you to repent. And it, it you know, some people have said, it's as if God in, in his essence ratifies your decision. Now, I'm not sure if I agree with that uh, exact phrasing of it, but I do agree with the idea that um, I put it this way. I had a caller yesterday, we talked about the same thing, that by definition, mercy is not something we deserve. And grace is not something we deserve. And so if if God with mercy, like he offers it, but then at some point he says, okay, it's no longer available. Is that unfair? Well, no, it's not unfair at all. I mean, in fact, the only thing that would have been unfair was for him to offer it in the first place, you know, if we're talking about fairness. So so I do think that that is the point. And I think that that's actually a, a stark warning for people to realize that there there can come a time where if you re- resist God uh, so much, there will come a time when that door, let's say, of salvation is, is no longer available. And so I, I think that, that we should, you know, for those who are resisting God, the, the Bible gives a stark warning. Now, to those who are timid and feeling like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm strong enough. I, I don't I don't know if I'm going to mess it up. The Bible gives the complete opposite message. It gives the message of God's got you. He's not going to let you go. He's going to give you the strength where you lack the strength. And, and even if you fail to hold on to him, he's going to hold on to you. But for the person who's, who's um, just kind of like, oh, you know, maybe I'll Repent someday, but not now or they can feel that God's drawing them And they're just resisting because they'd rather do something else with their life or rather, you know seek sin or whatever it might be Uh, For that person the Bible doesn't give comfort, but it gives a warning
6: Gotcha. Okay How do you know if you've come to that point?
4: Yeah, I would say uh, one. Well, see, I, I think on the one hand, we we can't really know that a hundred percent for sure. But I will tell you that the fact that a person cares is like the greatest sign that there's still life in there. You know what I mean? Like there's still yeah. a chance. So so especially when you you meet these people who are like, man, you know, I think that I committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and I'm worried because I, I think I did it, but it breaks my heart because I don't want to. I want to uh, know God and serve God and, and be accepted by God and, and love God. To that person, I'd say, hey, um, well, I'm pretty sure you didn't, because if you didn't, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't care. Because that's the thing about callousness, right? The Bible uses this as a picture of what, it, what, what happens when we when we uh, say no to God, right? Like we keep hardening our heart and hardening our heart like Pharaoh. It's like building up a callus. Like when you play the guitar or when you, you know, swing a hammer, you build up calluses. And after a while that the callus, that dead skin, it, it leads to an unfeeling, you know, it's kind of like the picture of leprosy. That's what happens with leprosy too, is that you lose feeling. And, uh, it, what once pained you no longer pains you. And so I'd say the fact that a person feels, um, they feel the conviction. They feel the, the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're working in their life, calling them to repent, and they, they want to uh, be with God. That's a that's a strong indicator that the Spirit is at work in their life and drawing them, and that all hope is not lost.
2: Okay. Sounds good. Okay. You.
4: you bet. God bless you. Right. you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church. We are coming up on our mid-show break right now. So the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. If you call in now, we'll get you on the other side of the break. And we'll be back in two minutes time.
0: welcome back to calvary live give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897 let's join calvary live right now welcome
4: back to calvary live this is pastor nick cady from whitefields community church in longmont colorado i'm here with you today taking your texts and your calls live on the air this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the bible or if there are things that are if there are things that have come up in your life that you'd like prayer for or you'd like to know what the Bible says about them we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Well, I've got you here, let me uh, take the opportunity to personally invite you to join us at Whitefields Community Church for worship this Sunday. If you are looking for a home church, if you're in the Longmont, Colorado area, we'd love to have you join us. We're currently studying uh, through, we're going chapter by chapter and verse by verse through Paul's letter to the Romans. Just a, a very exciting study, and uh, we'd love to have you join us if you're in or around Longmont. The website uh, where you can get directions, find our address, service times, you can listen to all our old messages, find out what's new in our church. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. And uh, right before the break, we had a caller who was asking about, um, you know, Esau and this idea that Esau sought repentance with tears and yet he couldn't have it. That was coming from uh, Hebrews chapter 12. But uh, I I want to tie that in with we had another Text come in uh, asking about Hebrews chapter 10, which is a very similar message. I mean, so here's what Hebrews 10 says. It says, well I'll, I'll read it to you rather than paraphrase it. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, in verse 26 he says, the writer says, "For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, then there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment, and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. And it's a, it's really very similar to the message of Hebrews chapter twelve, and that same message is also reiterated elsewhere in Hebrews, which is in Hebrews chapter six. Uh, where it talks about those who have seemingly come to know the knowledge of the truth, but they've turned away from it, and they've turned away from God and back into sin, and the sin of, we might call it the sin of apostasy. And uh, the question is, is this saying that, um, is this saying that that if a person falls into sin or backslides, for example, that uh, they are beyond the point of repentance? And so... Um, This is a question that actually a lot of people ask about. I had another person separate from this email me just this week saying that, you know, there are a lot of Bible verses that have led them to question, is it possible for a person to lose their salvation? So let me just talk about these couple verses real quick and then we'll go back to our call line. And uh, so the answer to that is this. Remember the context of what this is written to. Remember the context of Hebrews. The the letter to Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians who were experiencing a form of persecution or kind of like, you know, being pushed to the margins of, of Jewish society because they were Christians. And there was a big persecution that came against Christians and a big pressure. Uh, to forsake Christianity, because when Christianity first comes through in some areas, uh, a lot of the Jews, rightly so, recognized Christianity as the fulfillment of everything they had been hoping for and looking for and waiting for as Jewish people, as the fulfillment of Judaism. And then, uh, you know, the, what happened after that, though, there's this kind of period where a lot of Jews were like, hey, I'm a Jew and I'm a follower of Jesus. But the, the Jewish leaders came in, uh, the the religious authorities came in and they didn't like this because for many reasons it detracted from their authority and, and all kinds of other reasons. Um, but they came in and said, no, look, look. if you follow Jesus, you cannot, uh, you know, call yourself a Jew anymore. You have to be a Christian. So there was this kind of division that took place. Although in reality, of course, Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that Judaism uh, waited for and taught and, and everything that came from God in the Old Testament. And so you have these people who were Christians and they were tempted to give up on Christianity and go kind of an easier route. Right. Say, okay, well, I'll just kind of, um, you know, either I'll go back to like a muddy middle where I still believe in Jesus. I just kind of uh, don't tell people that I believe in Jesus or, you know, they would forsake Jesus altogether. And so this book is full of stark warnings about here's what happens if you leave Jesus. And and really what Hebrews ten is saying is that apart from Jesus, there is no sacrifice for sins. There's no other way to be saved. You know, and, and if you think about it, if you were to ask God for another way to be saved, here's God giving his son. If we think about the incarnation, it's essentially God taking on human flesh, becoming one of us, and then um and then we say to him, you know, God comes He's one of us. He's nailed to a cross. He raises from the dead. You know, he ascends into heaven and God, you know, he sends his son, Jesus. Jesus gives up his heavenly throne for a crown of thorns and a cross. And then what do we say? Well, I mean, that was nice and stuff, but I'd really like to be saved a different way. I mean, think how I mean, I, I don't mean to be crass or simplistic. I just mean to say, think about how insulting that is. To say to God, you know, I wish there was another way for me to be saved other than this way that you created at at ultimate cost to yourself. And so that's really what he's saying in Hebrews. And he's warning these people. He's saying, look, if you do this, if you keep going this way, you're going turning away from Jesus. Be aware of what you're getting into be aware that apart from Jesus there is no salvation there is no way for you to be saved there's no other sacrifice for sins so just know what you're doing and don't do it is really what he's saying and so it's like i said to that caller and i really think this is true you'll find you'll find that the bible talks to You know, the person who's like a smoldering wick, right? Like they're barely just hanging on. They're a broken reed. They're barely hanging on. They feel like they don't have the strength. The Bible comes and gives them so much confidence, right? It says that even when you're not holding on to God, even when you're faithless, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself, right? It says God's got you. He's not going to let you go. He's going to see you through. But to the person who is who is walking away like the, these people in Hebrews, turning their back on Jesus and going a different way, not because they lack the strength, but just because they're, they're looking for the easier route or they're, they're pursuing something else, sin for some reason. Uh, the Bible gives very stark warnings to get their attention. And so it really depends on, on where you are at, what the Bible uh, would have to say to you on that topic. So I hope that answers that question. Let's go to Andrew in Longmont, Colorado. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the program. Andrew. Hey. Hey, there you are. How's it going, Andrew? I'm doing well. Good. What's up?
7: So, I was hanging out with a couple friends yesterday, and we had a really interesting discussion, and I wanted to hear your insight on this. Okay. What's up? So, when a, during a church service, when a pastor is preaching or praying uh, for the congregation you know, during the service, right? And then, you know, towards the end of the prayer, like, Music starts playing, or towards the end of the sermon, music starts playing. Uh, we're just kind of debating, like, or not debating, but I guess discussing, like, is that a distraction? Because, you know, when he's praying or when he's giving the sermon, um, you know, he's trying to connect with our spirit, right? Going from our mind to our spirit. Um, but when the music comes up, that can really appeal to our emotions, and that could, you know, my friends are saying that the music could get in the way of the message and we, we could look for feeling rather than actually the, the words of the Bible penetrating our spirit itself. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. So Andrew, my, my take on that is that, um, you know, I think there probably can be times in which music is a distraction rather than a help. Um, but I do think that when it comes to this idea of, you know, I, I guess that what I'm trying to say is I think that you're drawing a line where I'm not sure there's a firm line, and that I is agree. between yeah. sp- the spirit, you know, and the mind, even the emotions and the intellect. So one of my heroes, you know, Jonathan Edwards, he was the first great American theologian, you know, father of the Great Awakening that took place in the early uh, colonies, you know, in the United States. And so what he said is that um, he really went on this thing and he was a he was a big fan of a guy named Augustine, who's an early church father. And so what Augustine and Jonathan Edwards both taught is that, you know, whereas, you know, philosophy and, you know, philosophies trickled down, Greek philosophies trickled down in a lot of different areas. So like, you know, the philosophy of Plato, for example, that made a really big dichotomy or difference. Between or separation between the intellect and the spirit and the physical and the um, non-physical world, Uh, you know. So Augustine came and Jonathan Edwards came, and they said, you know, that that dichotomy is not as strong as people have sometimes taken it to be. In other words, I guess I'll use an analogy for you. Um, You know, is it emotional or is it cognitive? Is it cognitive or emotive? Right? If I say. Hey, I really like to eat donuts, but I also really like to be in shape. So even though this donut is in front of me, I'm not going to eat this donut. And instead, I'm going to go running. Now, you could ask the question, is that a cognitive decision apart from emotions? Or is that an emotional decision apart from the cognitive Well, it's both because on the one hand, it's cognitive because I'm saying, okay, donuts have calories and running burns calories. But on the other hand, I'm saying that the reason I don't, uh, the reason, although I desire the donut, I desire something else more than I desire the donut. So at the end of the day, it's still about desire and it's still about the heart, not just the mind. And so I guess my point is that I think the two are interwoven. And I do think that sometimes it, it can be very helpful for us to have things like music, which um, which connects with us on a more emotional level at the same time as we're hearing words that connect with us on a very cognitive level. I think the two are very powerful when they're brought together, and I think that separating them isn't always good. Now, I will also say that I do think that you can get to the point where you can Use things that touch on people's emotions to get to the point of like an emotional manipulation Right and in that case. I don't think that's good. I, I think that's not right I think first Corinthians chapters 1 and 2 speaks directly against that like Paul saying when I came to Corinth I did not try to manipulate you guys with rhetorical techniques um, Now what's interesting is that in 2nd Corinthians he says because we have the fear of God Therefore, we seek to persuade and compel people to receive Jesus. So what he's saying is that we we seek to reach people on that, you know, heart level, not just on the cognitive level. But when we do that, we can't do it in a manipulative way. Right. So uh, does that kind of answer your question?
7: Yeah, yeah, that does. And I I agree. I think they can be interwoven together. But, you know, my friends are just saying like, oh, well, when Paul preached, he never had you know, music during that time or after that, there's no indicator of that. And it's like, well, just because it says that doesn't mean it's you know, you never did.
4: Um, right. So yeah. that's what that is called. It's called an argument from silence. Right. So just because we don't read that there was music doesn't mean that there wasn't music. We just, right. it just doesn't tell us there was music. Right. It also doesn't tell us that there were chairs. So does that mean that we shouldn't have chairs? Right. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, So you can follow the same logic. If you're going to argue from silence, then there are a lot of things we can argue from silence. They didn't have chairs. They didn't have lights. They didn't have this and that, which they very well might have had, but we just don't know because it doesn't say explicitly. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that, I think that, um, I think a place I would tell your friends to look is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul says that because we have the fear of God, therefore we seek to persuade all people and then he goes down and he says what we seek to persuade them of he says uh, I think it's with uh, I think it's verse 18 but I'm not sure of chapter 5 it's it's down there a little bit further where he says what we seek to persuade them to do is he says it is as if God is making his plea right it's not just like God's given him some information he's making a plea that okay. that tugs on the heartstrings um, he says as it, it's as if God is pleading, making his plea through us be reconciled to jesus and so yeah i i think that those two aren't at odds with each other unless thank we're you. being um, uh manipulative but yeah you bet cool that was great thank you you bet god bless you bye-bye god bless. Bye. you're listening to calvary live this is pastor nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado taking your calls and texts on the air today the number to call 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Nick in New Jersey. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the program. Nick, are you there? Okay, if Nick's not here, I do have his question here, and uh, a message from the producer. So I'll answer the question and uh, if Nick comes on the on the air then great And if not, then we'll still answer the question. Okay, his question was where was Jesus for three days and three nights? Well, the easy answer is Jesus was in the tomb the deeper answer is that um, we believe that Jesus descended into Hades which is the dwelling place of the dead now um I say Hades rather than hell for a reason, and I'll explain what that is. Now, there are a couple of reasons why we believe this, and it's actually in the uh, Apostles' Creed that Jesus descended into the earth. But it's also found in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. It says that, you know, he who ascended, did he not also descend and lead? uh, And then it says in in 1 Peter that he led the captives in his train and so what does all that mean that jesus what here here's how we put it all together that what happened it seems and and again we're we're just trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together and we see through a mirror we see as if in a mirror dimly one day we will see clearly so so one day we're going to know the answer to this we can ask god but here's here's what i'll tell you as uh, somebody who's tried to put the pieces of the puzzle together uh, from the different parts of the bible for many years is that what happened is and this is what most most christians have historically believed is that Uh, Jesus descended into Hades, which is a dwelling place of the dead. So, uh, or I'm sorry, Sheol. Sheol is the name for what it's called the the dwelling place of the dead. And the reason it's called Sheol is because there are two parts to it. It meant that uh, if you were a person who believed in God and had faith, you would also go to Sheol when you died because that's where all dead people went. It was the dwelling place of the dead. In Sheol, there was a division. There was a division between um. There was a division between the what's called Abraham's bosom and what's called Hades. So a good place to go for this is uh, Luke chapter 16. I'm just going to go there real quick myself. So Luke chapter 16, where we read Luke 16, 19 through 31. We read the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and it, it helps us kind of see what, what this was was that uh was in in place is that we have this place called abraham's bosom that was kind of the holding place is the waiting room for those who died in faith uh those old testament saints who died in faith in hope of the messiah and in trusting in god they went to this place called abraham's bosom which was part of sheol and that was where they waited for the redemption which would come through the redeemer the messiah And then in Hades, you had those people who died apart from faith. And that is also a holding tank. And so what happened is it seems that during that time, Jesus descended into Sheol and he let the captives in the sense of those who were in Sheol awaiting salvation. He led them in his train and took them to be with God, awaiting the resurrection of their bodies at the end of time. The people in Hades remained in Hades. And Hades still exists, right? So the other, the Abraham's bosom part has now been set free uh, and those people taken into the presence of God. Hades still is in place and those people are, um, are still awaiting. And what we see is that the end of Hades will be at the end of uh, Revelation. It says that Hades was emptied into the lake of fire. And that is what will ultimately happen, that those people will be emptied into uh, the lake of fire which we call hell. And so I I hope that makes sense what happened. And then so Jesus did that during those three days, overcoming uh, sin, Satan, and death, and then he resurrected on the third day. So I hope that that makes that clear for you. Uh, Nick, thank you for that question. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got 11 minutes left in the show, so uh, we can You could still get in if you wanted to give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can still text us 720-336-0897. Let's go to Jerry in New Jersey. Hi, Jerry.
2: Hi. Hi. How are you?
4: Doing great. What's up? Good.
2: Good. I have a question. Um, Where do you think um, where the United States stands in the end times?
4: Man, that's a tough question, and a lot of people have tried to answer that over the years. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I just don't see the United States in the Bible. So I'll say that first. But secondly, I will say that doesn't necessarily mean that we won't have some role to play. Now, some people have speculated that the fact that the United States is not uh, shown as playing a role in the end times picture must mean that the United States is going to cease to exist. I don't actually agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that uh, it's just not given to us in detail what role the United States will play. My guess is that the United States, um, as far as I understand it, will probably abandon Israel. And, uh, and that's why Israel ends up alone at the end of, uh, end of all things before Jesus comes back.
2: That thought—that's that's prophecy right there, where she's alone.
4: Correct, yeah, right?
2: Okay. And so, okay, so that's well, that's why. And
4: I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I'm sorry to say that. And I hope that that um, would not be the case. But it does seem that that is what uh, the Bible is portraying.
2: Yeah, there's, um Mike um, and Barry, that's on the on the New Hope, talks about the end times from his TV. Mm-hmm. I've heard them talk speak on that, and. Um, Okay. Well, thank you. That, that answers it. I kind of I read in Revelations in the different parts and um, hearing different things. I do how Lindsay, the late great planet Earth, he has on, has spoken on that um, too as well. So, But before I go, if you could uh, pray, I have a, um, a my oldest son, Art, he's walked away from the Lord, and he's out there doing his own thing. It, it's sort of a pattern for him. He Comes and he serves for a while and, you know, and then he ends up falling off because he's not really, I guess, gotten rooted deep in. Mm-hmm. So if you could pray that he would come back, and I have a younger son that is a believer that is praying for a teacher's position in Lancaster, PA. He went to Lancaster Bible College.
4: Okay. And who was that one who did that? That, that was your. The
2: younger one is Albert.
4: Albert. Okay. So Art and Albert. Yeah. Let's pray for him. Heavenly Father I pray for uh Jerry and her sons uh pray for Art Lord that he would walk with you and that this, this constant uh you know cycle of backsliding Lord you're familiar with that. that that's the cycle that your own uh people Israel went through uh historically and so Lord we know that uh that w- we are like them ourselves, and so I pray for Art, Lord, that you would show him grace, but also, Lord, bring, bring things into his life that bring him back to his knees, that bring him back to you, and, and get him to that place of full dependence on you, at whatever the cost. And, Lord, we also pray for Albert, and we pray, Lord, that his walk with you would be strong, that you would use him, and, Lord, that you would uh, truly uh, hold him tight and use him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Okay, thank you. I love the show. Okay. I'm glad we we have new hope and we got you guys
4: on the radio. Awesome. God bless you.
2: Okay, God bless you. Bye-bye.
4: You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado taking your calls and texts on the air today. I wanted to look at uh, one quick text message we got in on this subject uh, that we were talking about just a few minutes earlier about where did Jesus go for three days and three nights. Uh, This person had texted in and said, it seems to me that... um, that our bodies, when we die, our bodies don't go to heaven immediately. Or no, she, this person says, I don't think we go to heaven immediately after we die, but our bodies wait for the second coming of Jesus. And at that time, our bodies are resurrected and we'll be with him et- for eternity. Uh, see Revelation 20, 1 Thessalonians 4, Hebrews 9, John 5. And so um, to this person who has this question, my answer would be, I do agree with you that in the in one thing and I disagree with you in another. Okay, our bodies clearly wait for the second coming of Jesus and then are resurrected at that time. But uh, that doesn't mean that our spirits don't go to be with God immediately after we die. So we have uh, verses that say, like in Second Corinthians, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so so uh, here's how. I believe that I understand that it works, is that we do, in fact, go and we be with Jesus. Uh, like, for example, Jesus told the thief on the cross, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. So we, we are with him immediately, our spirits, but our bodies then are going to be resurrected at the second coming of Jesus. And in that time, we will have resurrection bodies. So I hope that clarifies that for you a little bit. Uh, let's go to... Brian in Colorado Springs. Hi, Brian. Welcome to the program.
3: Hi. How are you?
4: Doing great. What's up?
3: I just need a
5: prayer request. Um, Last week, my wife of 12 years came to me and said she wanted a divorce. I'm sorry to hear Um, that. After some talking and stuff, we decided to try to work it out, as we have three kids together. And it's been it's been an ongoing battle for the last six months pretty much.
4: Okay.
5: I'm just trying to trying to ease it a little bit.
4: Absolutely. Well let's pray for you. Heavenly Father we pray for Brian and I just hear the pain in his heart and the, the sadness over what is going on. Lord I pray that you would bring healing and restoration to this marriage and this family. But I don't know what all has led up to this place that they've come to after all these years, but Lord, I do pray that there would be repentance, that there would be healing, there would be forgiveness, and there would be restoration. We know, Lord, that you are capable of doing all of those things. Lord, thank you that that we can change because you can come into our lives and you can change us from the inside out. And so I pray that that would happen both in Brian and his wife. And Lord, I pray that they would get help so that they could uh, see this marriage restored for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Brian, do you have you guys? Do you guys have some somebody that you're working with that's helping you? A pastor or, or Christian counselor?
3: We have a Christian counselor.
4: Okay, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I'll be praying so, for you. Well, I appreciate it. All right, God bless you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. We are in the last three minutes of our show. Let's take one last call. Christine in Baltimore. Hi, Christine. Hi. Welcome to the program.
1: How are you? Thank you. Doing great. I, I just real quick had been speaking with with Pastor Jeff for a moment and we are a week behind in listening to the broadcast here in That's Baltimore right. but this evening um as i was listening to this program there was a gentleman that had called in that said how could jesus be god if jesus did not know when the second coming was and just what kind of had gone through my head at the time as pastor jeff answered this was maybe I wonder if when Jesus answered that, if he was answering from the position of being Jesus in the flesh, on the earth, as opposed to answering as God from heaven. Um, Because he did come as a man to experience what we experience, and to take those sins and to carry those for us. So I, I do wonder if maybe his response that, you know, even jesus even the son of man doesn't know i wonder if it just came from that position of him being in the flesh on the earth and i was wondering if that was just really wrong thinking
4: no i actually think you're on the right track there i think that's correct so where i would take you in the bible is philippians chapter 2 and um very important passage as far as how we understand jesus and Jesus' earthly life. You remember that Jesus was fully man, and yet he was fully God. He Absolutely. is both um, in fullness. But there's this very interesting section in chapter 2 of Philippians, and he almost says it as an aside, right, like kind of as a parenthetical statement, as Paul does so often. But, uh, but really what he says is this. He says, um, he says, Do not do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant uh, than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but have this mind in you which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And that's the key. He emptied himself. It means that Jesus set aside some of his uh, privileges as God during the time that he was a man. Well, God bless you. Thank you for that that's question. Awesome. Uh, you've you been listening to Calvary Live. Week. YouTube. You've been listening to Calvary Live. I'm Pastor Nick Cady. Tune in every week for Calvary Live from five to uh, 4 to 5 p.m. God bless you.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.